You're listening to a Flower Pop production. Hello, lovely people. How are you? The question is, are you ready to fill in your prime and live life to the full? Well, then I have someone who will tell you how to do just that. Go and to a really good hairdresser and get a restyle. Uh, go and see a stylist in your favourite shop. Get your colours done. I got my colours done when I was 40. Get, go and get a makeup lesson. I still have makeup lessons. I had one at Mac the other day with a youngster. Susie Grant was a journalist working for Capital Radio, TVAM, Radio 4, all over. But when her mother died suddenly in her early 60s, it made Susie rethink everything. She began a next chapter and trained as a nutritionist. She's also written three books encouraging people to live a healthy life, but with as much joy as possible. Then when Susie was in her 60s herself, she started a blog, The Nutritionist with a Passion for Fashion, all about ageing positively, and she had no idea how much it would take off. Her stylish tips and advice are now followed by thousands and thousands of women on Instagram. Her work has been featured in the New York Times and she's a model travelling all over the world spreading her message. Susie believes we all deserve to feel good about ourselves no matter what our age. She's fun, supportive and an absolute joy. I loved meeting her and I hope you will too. Hello and welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter. Or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Susie Grant. Susie Grant, I have been so looking forward to doing this with you. Welcome to The Next Chapter. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ellie, and it is so lovely to meet you too and meet someone who is in the same business as I was in. Wow, we've got much to discuss. But Susie, we start as ever with the prologue, with your prologue. So I know you live in Brighton now. So as a child, where did you grow up? I know you went to boarding school, but where were you? Oh, yeah, well, that's an interesting story. Um, Because I went to boarding school, I asked to go to boarding school because my brother arrived nine years after me. I was like an only child, which is why I'm so independent now. Um, So that was why I went to boarding school. I actually asked to go to be with my friends. But I was born in London. I'm a proper Londoner. I was born in Queen Charlotte's Hospital, which is no more. And my parents lived above a garage in a mews, which, of course, would be worth millions now. Um, And then they moved to the country to give their children a better life. Okay. And whereabouts in the country did you move to? Um, Oh, God, I hated it so much. I can't even remember. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, Just not for me. I still, I'm sorry, anyone from Surrey. I still don't like it there. Oh, anyone listening to this from Surrey, we, you know, you absolutely can love Surrey. I'm going to say impartial, Susie, as you know, journalists yes. always stay, in, are supposed you're, to stay impartial. You're a good girl. <laughs> um, but I wasn't into horse riding. I wasn't into tennis, but I wasn't into horse riding. I was very much into ballet. So Surrey wasn't the best place for me, put it that way. And as soon as I could, I moved back to London. And I think I was 17 and a half. So when you went to boarding school, where did you go to boarding school? Oh, well, it's no longer St. Margaret's in Midhurst in Sussex. And I love Sussex and I'm still in Sussex. Um, It was a convent. So all those things they say about convent convent girls yes absolutely correct we're a very wild bunch um and I've still got three best mates from boarding school there I only boarded about a year or two um but we're still best mates and we still in fact I just spent um that huge trip back from Cornwall to Brighton five hours to Portsmouth and then I stopped and saw my best friend in Portsmouth who I went to school with and we boarded in the same room. So we've kept in touch. Yeah, how lovely. And at school, Susie, what kind of pupil were you? Um, Actually, I was quite good. I always got into trouble um, for chatting too much or or (laughs) having a loud voice or being noisy. But I didn't do any more than anyone else. It's just that I was always caught. I'm one of those. If I'm going to misbehave, 
I will be the one who's caught, probably because I'm so noisy. Um, but I really, it's all down to teachers, isn't it? You're a mum. You went to school. You know it is down to the teachers. And I absolutely loved Latin because I had the most amazing teacher, loved English, hated history, still do. <laughs> but I think a lot of it's to do with the teachers. And much like I've been all my life, if I'm really interested in something, I will work my butt off. If I'm not, I won't. Mm -mm. I think you probably just got a very honest face, Susie, which is probably why you they always worked out with you. That's what it is. You're lovely, honest and open. And so before, so you obviously then moved into journalism, but did you have an interest in journalism then? Did you know what you wanted to do? Yes, yes, because my I always loved writing. Um, and I wrote a lot, I'm sure you did as well, at school. And I always loved performing. So television was a very natural <laughs> um, career to go into. But my dad and mum were both journalists. My mum was Bulgarian and she moved to Prague to do journalism at the university there. And my dad was a journalist for the Evening Standards. Okay. And he was out in Prague covering various news stories. Then they met and fell in love. And then I was produced a year later. And my mum, sadly, never worked as a journalist. But she was a very, very clever lady. She spoke five languages mm. fluently. Mm. Um, and so it was in my, it was in my DNA. Definitely, you know, mm -hmm. um, my dad was so thrilled when I went in. I went into radio journalism first. My first job in broadcasting was at Capital Radio in London. And I did a year of The Breakfast Show with Graham Dean for anyone old enough to remember him. He's still on air. Um, so I worked with it. I just loved it. It was my best job in the world. Television's a totally different ball game. I'm sure you'll agree. I, I do. So how did you do that then, Susie? How did you go from boarding school into, I mean, Capital Radio is huge. So how did you yes. go from boarding um, school into that? Uh, well, it wasn't straight from that. I dilly-dallied all through my 20s in advertising um, I went into advertising and did conference production and video production, hence my having a natural bent towards video production. Um, and then it didn't satisfy me because it's advertising. It, just, it does give me a great insight into the way marketing minds work, um, but it wasn't for me long term. So then I put myself through journalist school in Soho, which was an amazing period of my life. And the teacher at the end, so this should give hope to anyone who wants to change, sort of change career. Um, he said to me at the end, out of the class of, uh, I think there were about 15 of us, he said, when you arrived, I thought you were the one, because I was in advertising, um, I thought you were the one least likely to succeed but actually you've turned out to be the most likely to succeed. Well, there you go. Was I worked very hard and I loved it. Mm. And then I started freelancing. Um, I don't know how I got into capital. I think I knew a friend of a friend of a friend introduced me to the features editor and he started giving me freelance jobs. And it's so weird, Ellie, because... I've sort of come full circle, yeah. you know. I used to, when I was in advertising, as a hobby, this is really interesting circle, I used to make audio visuals from my travels. No. So when I went on my first trip to Australia, I took loads of slides, which they were in those days, 35 mil, and I put them to music. I had a deck at home. I had an old tape recorder. Do you remember cutting tape? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I used to cut tape at home as a hobby. Um, and now all these years later, 50, nearly 50 years later, I'm doing the same, but electronically. It's so bizarre. That's how I started. I just started freelancing and just saying yes to everything that was offered. And eventually got a contract with Capital Radio. And yes, it was huge. Princess Diana used to listen to me and Graham. Yeah. And she met him at a um, massive function. And when she got to him, we were running a competition called um, Guess Where 
guess where we are? Anyway, it was me. Guess where Susie is? And I would be in a different, it's a great job, different place in the country or out of the country. And she shook his hand and said, where is Susie? Um, Wow. I know. So, um, yeah, it was probably the happiest time of my working life. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved it. I had to get up at like half four in the morning, but I just loved the job so much. And I only overslept once. It was breakfast yeah. radio. Just and then I went into breakfast TV. Okay. So just staying with the radio, because wasn't that, was that in Leicester Square? It was a big, no, was it, where no, was Capital Radio? No, it was in Euston. It okay. was that far off. It's in Leicester Square now. Okay. No, it's in Global's building in Leicester Square now, because I, I listen to Radio X and they're all in the same building. But... Capital in my day was on Euston Road. Right, there you go. And and will you do it? Were you like the newsreader? Yes. Um, well, no, I started off making features. Um, so it wasn't hard news. Um, and then somebody went on maternity leave, and then I became the newsreader and weather girl on the Graham Dean show, which mm-hmm. I loved, my favorite time ever. But when I was doing features, I was sort of out and about doing anything with a obviously a London bent. So I did an awful lot on tribes, as I think we'd call them now, areas of London where immigrants had moved in or hundreds of years ago. And it had just become so it was fascinating, so interesting to go and find out um you know, how orthodox Jews eat and cook. And I just had the most amazing career there and not worrying about cameramen and how you look. And it was just me and a recorder. I loved it. Oh, how amazing. So how long were you there in total, Susie? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, Three to three years. Okay. And then from there, did you go to TVAM? Yes. And then, uh, do you know, one of the first people I interviewed on the radio was Jilly Cooper. And I remember her saying, um, stay in radio, darling. It's much, much nicer than television. And she was so right. You know, it's hard. This telly is so hard. And it was then. God knows what it's like now. And um, the pressure, as we Mm. were talking about earlier, the time. Mind you, I had the same thing at Capital. I did do news. And I do remember um, recording a piece for the one o'clock news and I got the most awful giggles because the man I'd interviewed was called David Smelly. (laughs) And I didn't find it funny till I recorded the voiceover and I couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) And I I couldn't do it. And they made me do it live. So I had to go into the loo and laugh it out of myself because if I'd like laughed on air I would have been fired Um, (laughs) so you didn't laugh you didn't do it when you had to do it live no absolutely not I would have been fired fear fear got hold of me so I managed to get through his name without laughing but I couldn't stop I (laughs) literally said you can't record anymore you're gonna have to do it live stop (laughs) laughing (laughs) I didn't realize till I said it um so yes then I was lucky enough to get um, freelance work at TVAM, and then I ended up there doing features, hard news, news, um, news reading, everything till they lost their franchise like mm. seven years later. Mm. And, and so- then I went to Meridian, and oh. I was the first face anyone saw in Meridian when they opened in Maidstone. Goodness and me. And I was sorry, my chair's rattling. And um, so I, I was a news reader there. I woke um, the Meridian. Um, viewers up every morning and that was a lovely job because I was through by 11 and I used to do features for fun and I had another doggy and I was just it was a very healthy life Mm. you know gym every day afternoons off it's just very boring going to bed very early every night but I'm sure you know that one oh I do I do and going back to 2am was that one it was at Camden Lock yeah because that was I remember that season it was almost in Camden Lock and it was um it was it was that was really exciting who were the presenters then the, like as in sitting on oh the- loads I was there seven years yeah. I mean so they changed yeah um and Diamond I think was the main one mm. and Nick mm. whatever his name was going back an awfully long way I can't uh, really remember that much how early. exciting and so did you when you said earlier that TV is hard did you find that hard or did you enjoy it 
Um, no, I found it much harder because, well, it was a breakfast television, so often I had to stay up half the night having it edited it. Um, and, yeah, it was much more, I mean, I was much younger, thank God, but it was very, very hard work and very tight deadlines. Mm. And I'm really, I'm great at live these sort of things, but I'm not good remembering a script. Mm. Give me a script, even if it's only 10 seconds long, and tell me to say it to camera. And I, I always say, take the first take because it would just get worse yeah. and worse and worse. Yeah. I, I was so envious. I don't know if you ever come, came across the Sally Eden, a yeah. reporter. Yeah. She was a great friend of mine, and she had a photographic memory. Mm. And I would laugh that she'd read something, and off she'd go. Mm. So, how are you with that? I find well, it depends. To be honest with you, Susie, I like it when you can show something because I find that that prompts me. You know, I exactly those where you walk around. I find when you have to, I don't have to do them very often, but when you have to do a live where you look into the camera and it's something very serious and you have to really get your facts right, I find yeah. that really hard. My husband does those all the time, and he finds the walking round ones much harder. So he because he's a reporter as well. But um, oh. yeah, I think that when they're coming to you, especially at the top of the program and it's a serious news program you feel the weight of a, this really the responsibility oh, it's hard don't. it's hard it's and you've it's got to get it right. hard. Yeah. i still have nightmares you know my biggest nightmare is having to fill yeah um yeah. when you're doing news because you can't just be jolly and be yourself yeah. you know something yeah. really serious might have happened even though it was local news that i did mostly i did sky as well so, okay. oh yeah that was yes that is my biggest nightmare because one day there was no auto cue and no script. Oh, that and is a nightmare. Twenty seconds to go. I'm thinking, what the hell do I do? Oh my god! See, that is what that is my re reoccurring dream I have. Where I'm that's mine as well. It's my nightmare. Amazing. That's amazing. So, what did you do? It arrived literally with two seconds to oh. spare. Crikey. Awful. Awful. Do that... ever want to go there no, again? Never. That is. I bet you were thinking, I wish this was a dream. Did Did you go to Sky after TVAM? Um, yes, because we lost our franchise, oh. so I just had to get work. Before I got the Meridian job, I just had to freelance. I, I did financial magazine programs and Sky. I just freelance wherever I could get work, new channels. Um, and it was all very, you know, pay the mortgage time. Yeah, amazing. And, amazing. And working awful hours. Mm. But I'm proud to say at Guy, oh, I must tell you a funny story. The first time I read a news bulletin ever, apart from Capital, and I did the odd bit of presenting there, but the first one on screen was at TVAM at the weekend. And I literally, and lots of people say this, I literally sat there and prayed that a plane would drop out of the sky. Yes! yes. Oh, have you been there? <laughs> all, all the time. Oh, all the time. Oh, Not I just yeah. I don't want to do this. I'm so scared. This is so awful. I'm yeah. going to die of fright. Isn't it the worst feeling it's ever? It's weird. It's funny you say that. And I've been speaking about this before. So, like, I'm presenting the news on Thursday and Friday. And I know that I, as they are counting down, and I've done it so many times, you get, I just get this dread and think, oh, I don't want to do this. No, no, no. anything. Maybe there should be a fire alarm. Anything. Stop. They really don't want to do this. But then when, by the end, when you come off air, you think, oh, that was so great. Let's do it again. Yes. It's so strange. Oh, where do you sleep? I wouldn't sleep beforehand. No, I sleep now. When I did early shifts, I never slept. I never. Yeah. That was the fear of oversleeping like you were talking about earlier. I only did that once. I only overslept once. But it was, and I still made it, but. Oh, that fear of the oversleeping yes, is just. Yeah, I only sleep. did it once, and all the earlies with capital. But uh, um, but I mean, it's it's a it's an un, it's a fun it's an exciting world as well. You know, with the bustle and the sounds and all the every you know everyone's asleep, but there's this whole world that's awake and. and I love it. I still yeah. love it. So yeah. I've reverted to that now. I'm always awake early. Isn't that funny? I, can't stay awake late at night anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, but well, look, it was it was all part of the rhythm. It was all part of the rhythm. So you were so you went to Meridian. So were you then living in Kent? Yes, I moved to Kent for the yeah. job because okay. it was um I think it was a two-year contract and then I got a third year. Okay. And um 
Yes, I moved to Kent. It oh. was obviously, I, mean, I needed to be five minute drive away. Yeah, yeah. So and I lived in Bearstead. Mm. I think the locals call it Bearstead, yeah. um, which was about four miles from Maidstone. Okay, okay. So, so where, and then I know you also you did Radio 4. Was that right? Was that after? It that? Was that, that was all things that I did on the side, got yes. Yeah. In fact, that came through Capital. I got a lot of work because of Capital Radio. And I did a huge amount. I worked on a, a program with Simon Mayo introducing, it was called Mainstream GCSE. Wow. So the handover between GCEs and GCS, what are they called? GCSEs. GCSEs. Yeah. Um, so we did a whole couple of series. And he is such a funny man that we just laughed and corpsed our way through most of the broadcasts. That's so Much brilliant. to the annoyance of the producer. But yes, I did quite a lot at Radio 4. But again, you know, they wanted somebody because it was capital and it was sort of as very trendy. It was that, you know, that whole not that I was a youth, um, but it was that sort of youth culture. Oh, let's get somebody with a bit of a London accent. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, what an experience. You had you did you did everything. That's just that is just brilliant. And then but then so moving into your next chapter, so was it you were 42 and then basically everything changed. And this came around when when your mum, and I'm so sorry that she died at suddenly at 63 from a a heart yeah, attack. Massive, uh, massive coronary. To say, I think I was to I think I was just about to go to Meridian or had just finished. Do you know I can't remember? No, I think it was after. Um Yes, awful shock because she was Bulgarian and brought me up on the healthiest diet you can ever imagine. That's why um, I know what you're leading into. That's why I became a nutritionist. Yes. Um, but she used to go to the chemist for olive oil in the 50s because that was the only place that sold olive oil for people's blocked ears. Mm. Nobody ate olive oil in the 50s. Mm. Um, so she was well ahead of the game. So I was brought up on the most healthy Mediterranean-type diet imaginable. Everything fresh, you know, no processed food. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, she became, maybe it was because she never had a career, I don't know, but she became very unhappy um, living abroad and turned into a drunk. She oh. had an alcohol problem and was very overweight and took no exercise Started smoking again in her early 60s um, and dropped down dead. Oh, so so let that so be a lesson sorry. to all of us. Yeah, I'm so sorry because I know she, she she split up from your dad and she remarried, but then she split up again. So she, by this day, she was living abroad, was she? Yeah, mm. in Spain, drinking heavily, as an awful lot of expats tend to do. Yeah, they do. So this really was, uh, I'm so sorry to hear that, but it was such a... It, decades ago. A, okay, okay, good. You're, you're okay. That's the main thing. And um, But this made you then think you wanted to become a nutritionist. Yes, I just thought, I'd, I started devouring health books and now who was the one who was really even Leslie Kenton for anyone old enough to remember her she wrote masses of health books and I think I'm also at Meridian I'm pretty sure I'm still at Meridian and I started um going to retreats at the weekend and just getting into the alternative lifestyle and realizing that health is about diet and lifestyle and attitude not you know um, not dieting mm -hmm. and so I decided to I wanted to write um, but I didn't want to are you writing fiction or non-fiction fiction fiction oh you're so clever you see I can't write fiction I cannot write I tried I've tried really hard to write fiction maybe I could now of course you I haven't could. got the energy um, but I wanted to write but I wanted to write non-fiction and because of my passionate interest in health um, I decided, well, if I'm going to write about health and also it's a great exit from TV into something a lot less stressful and mm. something that I could do for the rest of my life, I then um, trained as a naturopathic nutritionist for three years. Wow. And then because of that, thought, well, at least I can write a book with some evidence-based yeah. authority, you know, yeah. facts. Yeah. And and everything I talked about in my first book, I tried my 
excuse me, I tried myself. So um, I ended up with a three book deal with Penguin, which was very nice. The first book was, I wrote in Cornwall, the first book, and um, Port Isaac I went to a long time before Doc Martin. And I spent two weeks there just throwing it out. Do you have a stage as well? out of interest the way you write I even did it with scripts and I still do to this day I have what's called the vomiting stage oh yeah and then I edit it and get it into an order then I write it properly okay now I yeah I tend to because I I work in kind of chunks like small chunks around the boys and the and my tv job so I tend to write like a thousand words a day and so what I do is I really plan it beforehand so I know exactly what I've got to do just to try and be a bit more time but your way yeah. I think is I think you just do whatever suits you but I think you yes, can easily I've write always fiction. been like that I yeah. always have the let's throw it all down and then let's sleep on it and then let's have a look at it and get it into order and then final edit yeah so um Cornwall was the middle stage no the final stage I'd done all the research I'd got it into order and I just went down there and wrote and wrote and wrote and absolutely loved my two weeks. Thoroughly recommend it to anyone who wants to write a book who doesn't have small children. Oh, that sounds amazing. I just locked myself away and it was late 90s. So we did have mobile phones, but no signal. So I had to literally, where Doc Martin's house is from the series I had to literally walk all the way around there I was opposite his house walk all the way around there and up the hill to get a signal um so and and all I did was and I still like this I still have this routine to this day that I will work really hard and write or do anything that takes creative juices all morning and then that's it. Yeah. Afternoon off, I used to go meet friends and go and visit other places and drive around and um, just have some time off and then come back and have bath telly in an early night. But I would always look at what I'd written in the morning for an hour or two in the evening. Nice. So that was my little routine. And I got most of it done in mm. two weeks. And also with no mobile phone signal, that's quite good. That's, that's helpful. There's no distractions. But, so had you left Meridian by this stage? Oh, yes, yes. Now, what was I doing? I think I was just freelancing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, no, I was freelancing because I, I did a lot of media training. Do you do media training? No, I don't do media training, but it's I know, oh. you know, lots of people who do. And <laughs> and, and so do you, do you, did you, did you actually, when you say you qualified as a, you spent three years becoming a nutritionist, did you go and do that? Were you doing that around your television work or were you doing that full time? Yes. Yes, I was freelancing, so it was any telly, sorry, I'm finding it hard to keep the computer still. Um, It was very much, uh, you know, freelancing for anyone who'd have me, Uh, media training, which paid handsomely, so that helped, and studying for nutrition in between. So, like you, I had three or four different jobs. Which is quite, did you enjoy that? Do you enjoy having the variety? Um, I did then. I wouldn't like it now, but mm. I did then. Yes, I had the energy to do it then, mm. and a full full life in London. I was back in London by that time, so mm. I had a full life and a, and a gym and a social life and a love life and a doggy for part of it, a partner. Um, so it all worked out fine, absolutely fine. And did you work actually as such as a nutritionist? Were you pe- ever? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did about. Oh, I moved to Brighton. My second book for Penguin, I hated the weather in London so much, the summers. It was always humid. It's even worse now. It was always humid and always cloudy and always rained at the weekend, which they've actually proved, the meteorologists, that it's due to the build-up, well, then, due to the build-up of pollution all week. So I got so fed up with this. I used to run away. I used to have Wednesdays off when I worked at TVAM. And I I sort of stuck to that. And I would, during hideously hot, grey summers, um, I would just pack the dog in the car and go down to the coast and um, for the day. So because I was in Maidstone, 
it was very easy to get to Brighton and I have a cousin down here and I started coming to Brighton more and more. My mother loved Brighton. We were all, and my dad, we were always coming to Brighton. Uh, weirdly, I ate at a restaurant last night with a, a, a friend and he and I lived in the same area near Richmond and he and I have lived in Brighton for over 23, four years mm. and we'd never been to English's since we were kids oh. and we both went there last night for his birthday which How is lovely. really so so you were writing three books and then so you I mean oh, so then I practiced sorry so I could write my book wherever I liked mm. and um so I did the nutrition course I started seeing clients at uh, the local beauty place and also the club that I was a member of I saw people there and then the second book, um, I moved to Brighton. I thought, well, I can write anywhere, yeah. absolutely anywhere. So I moved to Brighton, lock, stock and barrel, and um, carried on treating. I was going to London to the clinic there, and I worked at a clinic in um, Lewis as well. So I did that for a good, oh, I don't know, about seven, ten years, yeah. but no money in it, money it's really difficult to make a good living out of nutrition but I did a lot of articles and I was invited on various Granada programs as an expert I did Radio 5 as an expert so I went to the other side I became a guest mm, okay and did you enjoy that yes very much love it love it yeah, that's interesting though you say about with the money because obviously the, I will come on to this, but this is something that people and I too totally understand with starting next chapters. The it's the lack of money which is often the big sticking point. But we will we will come on to this. So so then I mean in two thousand and fourteen, I, I think it was one of your godchildren or your godchildren suggested that you started a blog, and it's a well, yeah. The reason they both my godchildren suggested it only because I was lucky enough to have inherited some money from my dad's death. I was also lucky enough to have bought wisely in Brighton and to be able to sell at a profit. So um, that was sort of my pension. So I literally could retire at 60, right on the dot. And four years later, I was bored rigid. Yeah. I tried everything. <laughs> I went to Italy to do a film writing school script course I tried to write fiction I went to Bali I did travel <laughs> went to Bali to try and write fiction and nothing got my juices going um till my both godchildren totally independently of each other said why don't you become a bit and blogging it was nine uh, 1920 2014, uh, 2014. Yeah. 2014 and both of them said why don't you become a blogger it's the new big thing um so I was 64 then and um I thought well why not give it a go become a blogger yeah. so I literally started off as a blogger I didn't do vlogs or Instagram I don't think Instagram was even around then was it so I don't think it was so did you what did you do then because I've always I've always been fascinated with blogs I've got a blog sometimes Susie but I know so little about it I don't know if it's, if it's a blog or not you know this is I've got I've got to learn I've got to get more informed but so when you say you started a blog did you have like a website or what were you doing so yes you ready? a blog is a blog is the written word with pretty pictures that's yes. all a blog is okay it's like a magazine article okay so I got somebody to design the site for me several different people and um, that was it. I just started writing about stuff I was interested in. Some of it was health, you know, how to beat the menopause with diet. That's probably one of my most popular blogs ever. Um, where I've been, you know, I hardly ever do it now because then vlogs took over. Vlogs and video, that's well, what you do every day. Um so I now do a weekly vlog on YouTube, which I edit myself and thoroughly enjoy doing when I've got time. And um, that's also where I've been, what I've done that week, what I'm wearing, what I've worn, how my fox is. I've got a pet fox, how my dog is, um, you know, take the wherever I go, I take my camera and people just I bumped into a follower in Foy. You know, I bump into people all the time who go, oh, I swallow you on Sundays. 
So that's my, um, I don't earn much money from that, although I do get sponsored posts. But Instagram was my first love because it was based on photography at the beginning. Mm. So it was very much my first passion was photography. You know, when I was making those audio visuals in the 70s, I had a proper camera, 35mm, and I loved doing proper photography. So Instagram at the beginning was very much for photographers. Now it's like mini mini vlogs mm. and blogs. I mean, it's it is basically mini blogs and vlogs. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It is. And hang on, before we go further, when you say you've got a pet fox, do you actually have a pet fox? Is it? Is there yes, a- I do. I do. She doesn't come in the house because Jack wouldn't stand for it, and I don't want her too tame because she'll get into trouble with other humans. Um, but it was during lockdown and she was very skinny. I think she was the runt of the litter mm. and she started coming in more and more and more. And I never fed them before, but she was so thin and so pretty. I started feeding her. Oh, I've got pictures from four years ago. She was so gorgeous. And um, she's on her third set of cubs now. Wow. Well, they're nearly grown up. Um, but she disappeared in October and I thought she died and I was a bit sad and I didn't want another fox. I didn't encourage any other foxes into the garden. And then suddenly one night in February, there was a little fox sitting by the back door and I thought, socks, where have you been? She just disappeared for months and she was as fat as a house pregnant with babies so, yes adorable but, but Susie so so going back then so your whole thing and I I mean it's amazing and you're being very modest about what you say because you've got what 110,000 followers on Instagram I mean it's and I've been spending a lot of time looking at your your um, posts and they are I love them and, and you're getting dressed and it's just brilliant it's joyous so you it's are... so puerile though isn't it oh, it's so but it's puerile. Just so i mean i try and do serious stuff like health mm. and exercise and my monday meditation or monday mindfulness as i call it i do as much as i can for people's health um and well-being and mental well-being but the posts that attract the most attention are me getting dressed. I love it. I love it. There's one with the red and white spotted uh, blouse. Just gorgeous, gorgeous. And so you are, you hate, and quite rightly, you hate this term anti-aging. You're all yes. about positive aging. Exactly. Well, we're anti-war, aren't we? We're anti-poverty. We're anti-government at the moment. We're anti an awful lot of things. Why on earth would you be anti-aging? It's actually a blessing mm. to be aging. Yeah. I mean, there's no alternative. Yeah, I know. Just death. Yes. So, you know, yeah. we might as well get along with it and embrace it. And that's my main mission, I think, to encourage other women to not think that they're invisible as soon as they hit. I was going to say 50, but there's so many amazing Instagrammers out there in their 50s. I think I've had to move it to 60 because I'm the wrong side of 70 now. So I prefer to say to stick to the over 60s and, you know, just encourage them to wear colour and not be invisible and not be afraid. And it's not a case of mutton dressed as lamb. It's just finding your own confidence and getting on with life mm. and enjoying it. Oh, you do. And in our messages before this, and, you know, you'd be dancing at the weekends. And, oh, I just, oh, I just, you were inspiring me. But going back there, that you, I think I read somewhere that when you actually turned 50, did you feel, did you have a slight feeling then of feeling a bit invisible? Or there was something? Were you, yes, yes. You I ran away it? when I was 50. 60, I had a massive party. And 70, the best party I've ever had in my life. Mm just before lockdown um but 50 I hated I hate I didn't enjoy being middle-aged I I've actually embraced being I mean I'm termed elderly now which I find really offensive and ridiculous Um, and especially during the pandemic you know anyone over 70 and I was just over 70 anyone over 70 um you know is considered vulnerable and I'm like 
bugger off. I'm not vulnerable. I'm not on any prescriptive drugs whatsoever. Yeah. Don't put me in the I think Boris's dad said the same thing. Don't put me in the same category as everyone else just because of my age. Yeah. So I find that very offensive that, that you know, people are different now. The, the people who follow me are the majority in rude health. They do yoga. They go for long walks. They do meditation. They have a good diet. You know, they watch their weight for health's sake, not vanity's sake. So, um, yeah, I find it very, very annoying that um, I'm put into a category and I will fight it to the death. Yeah, quite right. And this is because you very much, you're, you're all about this, that you, I mean, it goes back to when you became the nutritionist, that it's all for you. The most important thing is health. I mean, obviously looking nice and feeling nice and not shying away. But you, I know that you meditate a lot, you know, and you encourage people to look after their mental health and mindset. And this is what it's all, this is your seed as such, isn't it? This is what your your message, your mission that you're trying to get across. Totally, totally. And I try and do little things like um, every morning, but and this is a really good top tip for everybody at any age. It's not just aimed at over 50s, over 60s and beyond. Anybody at any age should be doing some of the things, well, all of the things, actually, that, that people like me recommend on Instagram. Every single, I got this from Dr. Chatterjee, who I'm a huge yeah, fan of podcast-wise. And um, I think it was him or an expert he interviewed. But every single morning before I have coffee, before I do anything, I drink my water. Jack is desperate to go out anyway because he's elderly and he needs a wee. Um, and before I do anything, even in my pyjamas this summer, I've been in my pyjamas, I just do 10 minutes outside with no sunglasses on, no glasses at all. It's so important to get light into your eyeballs to reset your circadian rhythm. Um, and it helps you sleep better at night. So daylight for 10 minutes within, they I think they say within half an hour of waking up mm. is really, really beneficial. And I do it every single day, even if it's just standing in the garden with a cup of tea, staring at the sky and listening to the birds. It's, it's sort of like meditation without... Mm any effort you can still carry on with your day just shutting the noise out i don't listen to the radio you know it's it's sky light in the eyeballs and quiet time for 10 minutes that's all and we can all do that and is that and you and you obviously because you i mean you look amazing i, I do you you obviously you eat healthily no, i look really tired look, today no you don't you don't Susie. but um but you 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 know you do basically all the basics that you would encourage anyone else to do it's it is there's not it's not a case of i've heard you say like about botox what's the point of you know you're feeding on that going back to opinions but um you know what's the point of putting that into your cheeks you just it's all about just eating healthily being just looking after yourself and if you look after yourself then the rest follows I do have facials and I do have um collagen drinks um but yes the most of it somebody rather um definitely um very patronizing I mean you do get the odd person being really rude um basically said well it's all right for you you haven't got children and you obviously have enough money and blah, 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 and have good genes but it's still an effort mm -hmm. I still save up for regular facials I stay out of the sun I put 50 factor on if I am in the sun um, and I eat a very healthy diet because I want to live a long time with a healthy lifestyle this is what Dr Chatterjee bangs on about it's not about being slim and looking great and being on 10 types of medication a day it's about you know get living a long time but in good health otherwise I'd rather not be around I don't want to be old and in bad health mm. so um that's definitely something that anybody can do anybody it's not about money you don't need money to eat fresh vegetables and you know that the latest research implies that we need 30 different plant foods a week 30 mm. to some people that is sounds horrific it's not it's really easy you know nuts are a form of plant seeds are um pulses are it's actually very easy to do 30 a week mm. but 
know. And Susan, do you mind me asking, do you drink alcohol? Yes, but I, I find it, my body can cope with it less and less nowadays. Mm. Um, we had, a, at the holiday park I was staying at, um, they had a national grid problem. Is that common in the West Country? I think it does happen. I think it does. Yes, happen. it's never happened. I've never had that happen in Brighton. Um, and we had absolutely no power. So they cooked a barbecue for us in the evening in case people couldn't cook. And it was very social. And I loved my neighbours. And we got on like a house on fire. Um, so we just kept drinking. More Prosecco, more Prosecco, more Prosecco. And I mean, anything more than one glass and I sleep really badly. Mm. And I had a six hour journey back mm. um, with a stop in Portsmouth on the way. And I thought, I just wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. It was, it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, the older you get, the worse it affects you. And I now understand people who don't drink anymore. Yeah. I hear so many people on the radio, much, much younger than us, me, I mean, and you probably, <laughs> saying that they just don't drink anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something in this. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I love it at the time. Yeah, I, I am the same. I love, I don't drink in the week really at all now anymore. And Likewise. I do love, I do, lo I mean, I love it. I, um, Our mutual friend, Rennie Elliott, who's also been on this podcast, I've discussed it with her, how she, you know, just like a nice glass of wine. But I'll obviously have more than one glass if I'm totally honest, Susie. And the same with Prosecco. But I have to say, I am, whereas before I used to think, oh, I'm like not drinking, I, I would actually, it sounds awful. It's wrong. I'd be a bit like poo-pooey of like, well, why don't they drink? Whereas now I'm in yes. full admiration of someone who doesn't drink. And I do, I do see it. And I never drank until I was 19. And so all those years, and I, I went for, so I don't really know why, I, I mean, I do know why I was at university and I thought, well, everyone else is having cider. Yeah. I have cider. But um, I, I love, I love the, um, I think people relax. I, I can't. I know if someone's listened to this and they know all the cons of alcohol, they'll disagree. But I just think sometimes when we were with lots of friends on Saturday and we have alcohol, I think it's very different if you didn't have alcohol. It would be, it just is, people do relax a little bit more. And I love the idea of having an, yeah. you know, one for the road. That is my, that is bad for me because I do love a long road. But, uh, you know, I see the two sides. I absolutely, and I can see, yes. yeah, we are drinking a lot less actually, my husband and I, which I never thought we'd say. Yes, yes. Well, I definitely... I just feel better in the morning. Yeah. I just wake up. And you know, people always say, oh, I bound out of bed. I've never understood yeah, that because I've never bound never. out of bed in my entire life. Never. I always feel like shit in the morning. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because I've drunk my water and got some fresh yeah, air yeah. and had my first coffee. Yeah. Um, but I definitely feel much happier um, when I haven't had any alcohol. Now, last night it was my one of my best friend's birthday. And as I said, we ate at English's. We only had one glass each because okay, he's awesome. the same. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, nice, it, that was all. Yeah. And before seven. Now, my Italian friend has a theory that if when you get to my age, if you have a drink at lunchtime, mm -hmm. lunchtime drinking never affects me badly. Um, and if you must have a drink in the evening, do it before seven um, because it gives your body time to just break it down. And my other top tip is Prosecco is stashed full of sugar unless you get a really good one. Switch to Carver instead mm. or a local sparkling. We had a local dry one last night and it was Oh, it was delicious. Nice. It's nice. I, I don't think I'll ever give it up full time. No, no, no. It's either it's about having, like everyone says in moderation, having one glass, that is. And actually, a friend and I were discussing this, Prosecco, we actually feel really bad after Prosecco. Dreadful. So that makes sense. Just look at, you know, dentists call it the Prosecco smile that's rotted so many people's teeth. Oh, okay. So Carver is the way forward. That's Carver, nice. I think Carver's much better. Oh. Um, I always ask for it. In fact... If you can afford it, which none of us can, champagne is the best. I used to tell that to clients mm. who wanted to get healthier. You know, if you must drink, make it a very clean spirit, mm. like, you know, gin without the slip line tonic yeah. um, or sh champagne. Anything really dry and low on sugar, it will benefit your body far more. Wow. It's a toxin. I'm reading a new book at the moment all about health um, and longevity. And he was interviewed by Chatterjee 
And he said, you know, whether you like it or not, um, alcohol for all the press it gets about, you know, red wine's really good for your health. It's still a toxin. Your body has to work hard to break it down and get rid of it. Yeah, it is. It is. We can't get away from it, Susie. But so moving on, though, for your to be continued, I mean, I hardly dare ask, what would you like to do next? What are your plans? Oh, I never think of the future now. Do you not? No, just one day no, at a time. No. Why would I plan at my age? Oh, Absolutely it. not. That's the way to just live, though. Stay alive. I'm not, you know, I don't have a career path. I don't have a career plan. I'm supposed to be semi-retired. Um, I think it's just concentrating on living in the now, yeah. um, not planning the future because none of us know what the future holds and staying as healthy as possible so I can embrace old age and, you know, not be one of these 80-somethings that uh, end up in a home because they can't care for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are lots of sprightly 80-somethings around. I met two of them at the holiday park, they were both 80 and they were full of joie de vivre and get up and go and traveling and fun. Um, so I think health, health and sanity above all is all I think about and not having too much pressure. I'm very strict about work. I'm very strict about, you know, if it interferes with my, it is at the moment um, because I've, got a lot of work to do following my lovely free holiday in Cornwall a huge amount of work to do today and probably tomorrow but that's it that'll be it then I won't even you know I'll do my own thing the trouble is my own thing takes a long time mm. you know it took me two hours this morning just to do a little Instagram post but oh, that's, that's the way of the world well, that's all part of it isn't it to have this purpose because I think this is we've seen it so long and, the, and I've interviewed people on this podcast the research as well that when you stop working and if you just oh, give, it's not it might be the ideal but it's really not and I, no. I like hate the idea of ever retiring no, I will never, never stop working. I, I know so many people who have, and I don't, what do they do all day? I know, it's not, I, I don't, know. watching daytime television, well, I suspect. Yeah, I know, and we know, um, we know about I have that. to, I belong to a club down the road, well, that's where I'm going with Rennie, it's, a, it's one of the Soho house clubs, and it's been my absolute saving grace because i've got pilates there tomorrow i've got chums i can meet there so Susie, your acknowledgements i mean you've done so much who is there anyone you'd like to thank who's helped you along the way Ooh, my godchildren for suggesting that i became a blogger definitely they're very supportive um for inspiring me it's got, and I only mentioned her this morning, it's got to be Iris Apfel. Massive spectacles, yes, massive yes. spectacles, very short white hair and amazing clothes. And she designed for H&M last year. Yes, I do this know. collection, the Iris collection, which I was lucky enough, H&M asked me to do, amongst other influencers, asked me to choose the clothes. Well, I chose as many as possible and the shoes and model them she's that. been a huge influence on me because it's like well if she can do it to 101 so can i yes, can. i'll just need people around me to be my eyes yeah but you're uh susie i nothing would surprise me with you at all and so moving on with your tips and advice so a few things here so just on a practical matter so when we're talking about instagram i mean i'm going to ask you this from a personal point of view but i know other people listening i mean like with using social media is for so much of what any of us want Want to do be it with me with my books podcast people with interiors a a anything at all um fashion you do normally hairdressing you do have to have some presence on social media these days so did you feel daunted say with something like instagram and how did you because to build one hundred and ten thousand followers is huge i mean how what would you say was the key thing that you did to be able to create this? the key thing the key thing with instagram is not to keep posting different things you cannot be um you need a usp you yeah. need a unique selling point my unique selling point is that i dress up and i'm not supposed to dress up at my age um i think that's my usp and and having you know if you can naturally talk to camera then that's what you should do if you can't don't do it don't try and emulate other instagrammers out there obviously 
um, imitation is very helpful. What's the expression? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Obviously, if there's certain Instagram, and I still do it, I'll see somebody in her 50s doing something with an outfit and think, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. So by all means, do that. But you've got to find your own niche. You you know, it's difficult with hairdressing. It's, well, it's difficult with all of it because there's so many of of what we all do. There's so many people doing the same thing. Mm. Um, I think the reason that I've had such success is there aren't many in England well over 60 doing what I do. There are lots in America, um, but here it seems to be mostly the 50-somethings. So you've just got to find, you know, I know people who, there are loads of grids on Instagram, just people who feed their foxes, yeah. like I do. But they've done an entire page called Foxes Visiting or Foxes Living With Us. And there's a brilliant couple in um, Scotland feeding fox. They've got eight cubs. And I'm so jealous. You've just got to find, you've got to find something you're passionate about. I mean, that's mm. the secret to everything, isn't it? You've it got is. to find, you know, it might be glasses or, it, you know, it might be doing up your home. It might be tapestry. It might be, you know, knitting. You've just got to find something that you're passionate about that you can share with an audience who really want to know more. Yeah. And... I can't really help more than that. No, that's such good advice. It, it all happened by accident. I didn't, you know, I didn't start this to earn money. That was, I started this as a hobby. I think that's the secret to any new job. It was the same with writing books, nutrition. There's, I've never done anything just for the money. I turned down more work than anyone can imagine if it's something that I can't stay authentic to. You know, you'll never see me. Somebody had a go at me for advertising um, Cadbury's chocolate. So how can you, how can you palm oil? There was only one. But I can actually say hand on heart. Um, I eat 80% cacao chocolate when I eat chocolate that's what I stick to for my health regime however at Easter Christmas birthday treat time my favorite chocolate Cadbury's just happens to be it's my guilty pleasure I will always eat Cadbury's chocolate so mm -hmm. cut out yeah quite right but I suppose I love Cadbury's but I suppose what you're really saying is having something that you feel passionate about which is good for you in so many ways but also the having the confidence to be you to be yes you, because there yes. is nobody else like you exactly because i i started watching the body coach in his early days on instagram and i was like oh gosh why don't i do that why don't i do quick recipes in you know 30 seconds what a brilliant idea just couldn't do it my heart wasn't in it you've yeah. got to find something your heart's in it might be keeping chickens mm. you know i i don't i it's just Whatever so difficult is, yeah. to suggest something but a scroll through instagram and be inspired by other people and think yes i could do that or i could do something similar and and be just any change any any future direction just sit and think what do i really feel passionate about as i said Right at the beginning, I have always loved photography. I made audio visuals of my travels as a hobby yeah. in the 70s. So I think it's just, you know, it's a good question to ask yourself. What did I love when I was really young? Yeah. What did I love before I got a career, a mortgage, had children and all those responsibilities of life? What did I really love doing but had to give up because... Life got in the way. So I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, that's great advice. And if someone's listening to this and they are feeling basically just a bit invisible and flat and miserable and not great in themselves and they're listening to you and thinking, goodness, she just sounds brilliant when you are, what would your advice be to that person? How do they get themselves out of that, that doldrums? Uh, well, I, I think they should see somebody, actually. Mm. Um, you know, I know nobody can see a counsellor anymore, but go and to a really good hairdresser and get a restyle. 
uh, go and see a stylist in your favorite shop. Lots of big stores, if there are any left, lots of big stores have stylists. Um, get your colors done. I got my colors done when I was 40. Uh, or in my 40s. I think that's a brilliant thing to do. Ask for it as a Christmas present. You know, we're all short of money now, but get go and get a makeup lesson. I still have makeup lessons. I had one at Mac the other day with a youngster and um, I loved it. Mm -hmm. So just do something. You can do things for free as well. You don't have to spend money, but do something to just tweak, tweak your image for yourself just slightly does that make sense it makes perfect sense and Susie can I just ask do you are you very careful about who you spend your time with because presumably yes. you're you want people to to because you've got such a lovely energy you want people with that same energy you don't want to be able to be with the misery no I, I I don't want to be with negative people and we're all capable of being really negative, even the way we talk to each other. I found myself saying this morning, because I was having trouble with microphones, this voiceover I've got to do today, going, oh, you idiot, why didn't you think of that? Well, stop being horrible to yourself. Yeah. We shouldn't call ourselves idiots. Um, yes, I'm very, very, uh, frankly, this is just going to sound so sad, Ellie, but I'd rather be, because I was an almost an only child I'm actually really happy on my own with my own company now lockdown etc I don't want to be on my own seven days a week no. 30 days a month um but I'm certainly very happy for the odd day here and there just to have quality time and putting in your diary somebody put it on Instagram today and I so agreed with her that we're overwhelmed with our busyness. I mean, we don't stop, you know, especially you with two, three jobs and kids. <laughs> All I've got is an old dog to worry no, about and exercise enough. classes to get to. But it's um, it's making sure you've got one day a week with nothing in the diary. I find that really hard. Even if it's pleasurable things like getting my toenails yeah. done, or which I have to because I can't. I'm not bendy enough anymore. Um, or, you know, getting your hair done. I, nice things that, that you have to do. It's still overwhelming for me. Is it for you? Yeah. It's overwhelming if I've Indeed. got a diary and it says dog clip something else oh, something yeah, else completely every day i think crikey and i make this unrealistic to-do list and then I yes. think that's not good in itself it's not good no, at all absolutely agree so i would firmly i don't do it myself every week i answered this girl on instagram and said you were so right i so agree i have one day a week with nothing in and then i looked at my diary and went but no, we can't Eddie. always do it, and I haven't accomplished <laughs> it this week. But then I think, well, I've got acupuncture for my health yes. on um, Thursday, and that's all I've got in the nice. diary. So I'm going to leave it like that leave and do nothing. No posting, nothing. Love that, love that. So just finally, Susie, if someone's listening to this and they are feeling stuck in general, so either they want to start a next chapter with work or with a relationship or leaving a relationship or just genuinely just thinking, I want to be a bit more like how Susie's living her life, enjoying a life that she loves. And I know you're realistic. I know you're not saying that you're on top of the world every single day. And, and no, you're I not... get terrible down moods. We all do. We all do. Or, you know, loneliness. I mean, I went to Cornwall on my own because my brother let me down at the last minute it and it was such short notice I mean it was a job but a, like a holiday as well it's a lovely break but I had no friends all my friends close friends who I would love to have gone with had just come back from holiday mm -hmm. so they didn't want to go away for what was ostensibly the whole of the week um so I had to go on my own I didn't know what to expect I didn't know that the place I was going to go to was so friendly because it was like camping um, they'll they'll hate me saying that, but they were very posh lodges on a holiday park, luxurious lodges mm. with hot tubs. Nice. But you're still very close to other people. But I loved that because I loved camping and going to festivals. Yeah. And so people were part, and I couldn't take Jack because he was too old for the long walks I wanted to do. And it was just fabulous because people were walking past with their doggies and they would always stop to chat. And, you know, if the door was open, somebody would walk past and go, morning, how are you? Mm. Um, 
So I really want to encourage anyone listening to this who lives on their own um, or their husbands died or, you know, they're at that stage in their lives when they think, oh, I'm Billy No Mates. Um, just get out there and try things. You'll be amazed. I met so many people in Foy. Every time I got on the ferry, somebody would chat. Every time I went into a tiny place for brunch, I'd share the table with some random man who had retired and was going on the southwestern trek. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you do have to have, I mean, you and I are lucky that we've grown up in a business where you do constantly talk to strangers. Yeah. So it's easier for us to just talk to. I mean, as my dog sister said, she said, well, you make best friends at a bus stop. Yeah. Um, so it's not easy for everyone listening to this, but start small. By I, I'm a great believer in joining clubs. I think that is just one of the best ways to give yourself confidence, make more friends. I've joined a book club. All these things really, I've sort of diverted from the question, haven't no, you have, I? No, you're still there. You know, you're absolutely saying about having done this. But if someone's listened to this and also, so you touched on loneliness there, but feeling stuck in terms of even jobs, you know, and want to do something completely different or have a life with fun and purpose but you know something that they do really enjoy and also make a living out of it what would you say to that person who thinks oh you know it's too late for me I'm too stuck it'll never work for me what would you say to that person I'd just do it try it do it as long as you can afford to do it because it's all very well saying um you know a new job or a new interest that you can make money out of but it's very difficult nowadays to make money out of a new interest or a new hobby. I didn't make money out of this. And as I said, I never went into it to make money, but it took years. Everything, when you think about it, you know, if you were going to open a, a boutique or you were going to open your own hairdresser or you were going to open your own, I don't know, training people to ride horses, whatever it is that you're a real expert at, nobody makes money. For the first couple of years do they no they don't they really um, don't so you have to be realistic Susie I love you thinking out the box I've loved our conversation I really hope one day I get to come dancing with you in the at the weekend be it in the rain Please. I don't care it's a joy Please. to meet you thank you so much for being such a fabulous guest Susie thank you so there you are what did you think of that ah oh, Susie is so full of joy isn't she but also I love how realistic she is and that she says quite rightly it takes time to build anything but also it makes you think doesn't it what is possible even if it's just dancing under the stars you can find out more about Susie her website and her Instagram account in the show notes I cannot recommend her videos enough they are just brilliant and will brighten your day and of course, you can keep in touch with me and my books. And I'd so love that at elliebarkerwrites.com. I'd love it if you join my mailing list. And I'll send you a little note most weeks just to check on all this next chapter living. Now, I'll be back next week. But in the meantime, go on, go dancing, whatever it is. Have a wonderful time. Have a go. Susie thinks you can do it. And I do too. Speak soon. <laughs>